Hey everyone. One of the trademarks of living in H-Town is the affordability, but several factors are now making it harder and harder to live here without breaking the bank. So what can be done? Our economic insider, Professor Chris Clark, joins me to explain what's happening and if we're really on the verge of becoming an unaffordable city to live in. It's Monday, August 14th, 2023. I'm Rahil Ramzan Ali, and here's what Houston's talking about. Hey, 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 Chris, one of my favorite guests. Welcome back to CityCast Houston. How are you? Oh, I'm doing really good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, man. All right. Before we start and dig into the affordability issue, as an economist, I have to ask you about data points and what do you get hyped up about, right? Is it the unemployment numbers? Is it the Fed interest rate numbers? Is it something else? I got to know, like, what gets you going? Uh, well, right now, it is the definitely the unemployment numbers. Uh, we are experiencing historically amazing uh, labor market right now. We have 18 months of below 4% unemployment rate. We haven't seen anything like that since the moon landing. Mm. Uh, I mean, we had below 4% for about a year in 2019, but now we're going on 18 months of it now. Uh, and that's just absolutely fantastic. And people just don't talk about it enough. So how does that how does that play into affordability? So just me as an outsider, when you say that, that means more people are working, right? More people yeah. are making money. So they have more spending power and the demand is up on buying certain things. Is that why affordability is being impacted because of that number specifically? So the cyclical kind of business cycle, recession, not recession of an unemployment rate, that's going to have some effect on the demand for housing. But today, I just don't think that's the biggest driver. Uh, for example, in the middle of the pandemic in 2020, so we're going to like June or, or fall of 2020, the price of houses started to explode. And we all wanted to know why, because the unemployment rate was recovering. You know, businesses were opening up, jobs were coming back. But we saw the explosion in house prices largely due to the demand for people who wanted to work from home. About 40% of the increase in price could be associated with just everybody moving to the suburbs because they need that home office. Wow. Okay. So now we're starting to see stories when it comes to Houston specifically about it becoming unaffordable to live in with the suburbs now dealing with homelessness to monthly payments of cars going up. But when we talk about affordability, what factors actually impact affordability? So a price of a house is determined by two big frameworks. You have people who want a house on the demand side, and then you have how many houses there are on the supply side. So on the demand side, it's just kind of two things. How many people are the population and the location? You know, mm. people want to live in a certain place. So it's kind of combined. How many people want to live at a particular location? That that tells you nearly the whole story. On the supply side, it's just the construction. You know, how many structures exist? A lot of debate about private versus public housing. And those things will matter a, 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 a little bit. But in the end, all that matters is do we have enough structures where people want to live? Mm, gotcha. So housing is the biggest factor when it comes to affordability. Oh, it's the big, biggest expense everybody has. Are there any other smaller factors that impact this when we talk about affordability? Your job, how much income you have, and then the overall inflation level of the average basket of, you know, the price of the average basket of goods. Okay, gotcha. Now, based on your research, 
is Houston truly becoming a more unaffordable place to live in? Or are we just falling for headline traps right now? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think Houston's affordability has become more difficult over the past three years. Uh, and even, you could say, over the past decade, kind of following national trends with, with housing. Uh, so specifically zeroing in on, on housing, yeah. the Harris County has seen rents for multifamily homes, so for apartments or whatnot. They've gone up 13% over the past three years. And that's comparable to the national level. It's a, a measurement of around 17%. And Fort Bend specifically, their rents have gone up 20%. Uh, and we're seeing this happening across Texas. San Antonio's at 18%. Dallas is at 21%. And of course, Austin's Travis County is, is also in that 20% range. Now, the good news for folks uh, uh, on the other side of the state in Austin is in the past 12 months, so not looking just the beginning of the pandemic, but just over the past 12 months, their rents have fallen by 2%. And that's mm. something we're not seeing in Houston yet. Do you think Houston will just continue climbing a little bit more just because of the population boom? We have seen more people moving here and in Texas in general. So I'm sure that's one of the biggest factors, right? There's just more people here. Um, what do you think happens with Houston when it comes to that rent? Is it going up, going down? What do you think? So we have uh, we have a choice as a city uh, and as a county uh, that do we want to build enough houses to keep rents, to keep housing affordability where it needs to be. So if we choose not to, you know, either through zoning or through other sort of like red tape to prevent construction, if we don't build enough, the rents are going to go up. The reason why we're seeing a little bit of success over the past 12 months is because Austin has been building tons and tons of apartments. In Houston, we need to be doing the same thing. Gotcha. Uh, and we need to build enough to meet the demand of everyone who wants to live here. And that can make it, that can keep it affordable. And this is one of the reasons why Houston has this reputation for being affordable for, for, for generations is because relative to San Francisco or Manhattan, we build way more than they do. And that is for the size of city we are, that's kept us relatively affordable so far. But it's not guaranteed to happen unless we keep doing it. Yeah, that and that's the big thing, right? It's like finding that sweet spot of building more, um, not having too much demand. Like, do you want that? Because then, you know, houses or apartments are just sitting there and that creates another bubble. What is that sweet spot in your opinion? That's an interesting question. Uh, I don't think we're in any sort of uh, fear of a 2008 style uh, boom, boom of a bubble. And the biggest reason for that, I think, is uh, vacancy rates are still really low. You know, it takes a long, a lot longer time to find the apartment you want than it did before. And that that's what's driving up most of the prices. And the other thing we're kind of seeing is the average uh, credit score of people who are buying houses right now is super, super high. So then that that kind of goes into the affordability. It's only people with really good incomes, really good credit scores are, are buying houses now. It's, it's less accessible to others. Yeah, and that was my next question regarding affordability, right? The interest rates right now on a mortgage. I mean, they are oh, yeah. really, oh, yeah. really high. Like, it is scary. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm really in the market is. right now. We, you know, oh, we no. look at houses, and it's so scary. You go, wow, this is it. This is the perfect house. And then you run the numbers, and you go, wait, hold on. What is it uh, right yeah. now? And it's it is, terrifying. It's How does that play into affordability? It is not. It's not a good time to buy a house. It just isn't. I mean, these things, hopefully, this is just a short run cycle. This is just going to happen for 
uh, a year or two of having these high interest rates. Because this, this is all set by the Federal Reserve. They're in D.C. They're, they're worried about inflation. And their primary tool they have to fight inflation is to raise the interest rates. And of course, one of the consequences of that is we have less activity happening in the home purchasing market. And uh, there's winners. If you're saving right now, you know, trying to save for retirement, you're benefiting from higher returns. But there's losers, uh, people who are are having, you know, trying to buy a house or trying to borrow a car or, or uh, you know, start a business. And the loans are more expensive to, buy, to start businesses on. So there's a second comp- secondary component, too, that is going to make buying a house difficult for this next year. At the start of the pandemic, 2020, interest rates plummeted. They were having around five or so. They plummeted down to like three and a half or even lower for some people. And so everybody refinanced. they like, okay, we're going to lock in these super low rates. And so you have tons of mortgages today that are sitting at 3.2%. And these people don't want to move because they, if they move, they're going to have to pay 7%. And that's just extra money that's going for interest. That's not buying you a better house. It's not buying you a better neighborhood. Uh, and so they're not doing it. The supply of homes being put on the market, just kind of in your regular tone over, uh, is way small. And yeah. I think everyone's just kind of waiting for those interest rates to fall. And Absolutely. Kind of the prognostics is they'll fall maybe in 2024, uh, but uh, certainly by 25, inflation will be totally back to normal and the rates will hopefully come back down. Now, I know this one might be really hard to answer because everybody has different standards of living and people define living as differently. Right. But yeah. How much do you think Houstonians need to make to survive here in Houston now? Right. So I mean, yeah, there's so many different ways of measuring that one. We have a poverty rate, right? But yeah. it, even if you're just above whatever our, uh, you know, the official poverty rate is around 25,000 a year, depending on how many people are in your family. Uh, that's not, yeah, no, you're not thriving. You know, that just means you're above a poverty rate. It's it's a yeah. spectrum. Like there's not a line. Okay, now I've made a dollar more than that. Now I'm well off. No, people are struggling all the way through. Uh, even if you get to median household income, uh, you you can you can have a difficult time. What we're seeing in terms of uh, there's there's this estimate out there that's called the level to be thriving at. That's a particular number they use, which as a, as a technical economist, I always love when you can say things, this is the thriving rate. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's a little less dry than, than a lot of the, the, the words we use to describe the economy. Uh, and that for a single person, that's hovering at around 67, uh, 67 kind of $70,000 a year. Gotcha. So that's that's thriving. That means you've got enough to go on vacation. That means you got enough to pay for healthcare. It means you you have a house probably in a decent neighborhood. You have to budget. You still have to say no to a lot of the things you want. But you know, seventy thousand for a single person that's not that's not too bad. Yeah, that's not bad. You know, for me when I think about that number, like what's a good thriving number? I feel like one factor you should encounter is. Like, are you listening to multiple podcast episodes a week? Because then you're kind of thriving, right? Like you got the freedom. I think that's a good measurement as well. It's not official. It's not, there's no data to back this up. But if you can rip through, uh, you know, multiple episodes, then you got a little financial freedom here. I love that. That's totally true. Because then you have, you have the mental space for it. Yeah. You know, 
enough of your life is taken care of. You're not worried about it mm-hmm. that you can you can do some serious podcast recreation. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Livable minimum wage. I want to ask about this one because this does play into affordability and what people are making around the city of Houston. But how is that calculated? First of all, oh, that's very interesting. That a lot of people look at this as if you are a full time working adult, how much do you need to pay for the bare minimum so this is not thriving this is this is you know like a studio apartment uh enough transportation to get there i you know you don't even need a car per se you know if there's a couple places in houston you could do that you know if you live along the track the, the 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 light rail or something um so that's that's usually how it's calculated you know bare minimum amount of mm. calories bare minimum amount of health care uh it, it's basically as low as you can go while still having clothes food and shelter you know it's it's the bare minimum uh and yeah seven seven twenty five the national minimum wage doesn't do that that's no it doesn't close. do that and no and of no. course that won't cut it here in the city of houston right now with everything no. we've just talked about as well yeah yeah all right the pandemic you brought up housing, but it also did some wonky things to the car market. And yeah, now with interest yeah, rates yeah. being so high, buyers are facing on average payments of $1,000 a month in Texas. Will this ever change? Or is this also the new normal with the crazy interest rates and just the wonky market that we can never predict? Yeah. So there, there I've got like a bunch of thoughts on this. Um, First, I'll start off with the good news. Okay. Because I looked up that thousand dollar numbers because I was like, "Whoa, that's a, that's a huge number." Um, that and and I saw that the Houston Chronicle reported on that two days ago. Uh, that measure is set. It says twenty five percent of new car purchases are paying a payment of a thousand dollars or more. So it's, luckily, it's not the average. It's just the top twenty five. Okay. So these are are most likely well off people. Um, but it is high. That is a higher number. In fact, they, they said that Wyoming was the only state that had more than 25% of the population paying $1,000 a month in new cars. And uh, what, what can we guess is the similarity between Wyoming and Texas in terms of the type of vehicle they would buy? Someone who is well off. I'm going to say um, uh, a high, I would say like a luxury vehicle. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, wide open spaces. Oh, uh, there you are. Yes, yes, yeah. So, and those are expensive. So okay. I think that's drive. There's, there's, uh, that's probably the biggest factor is a lot of the people, again, this is the top 25% of the, of the car purchasing market are, are, are paying over a thousand. That's because they're buying nice, expensive trucks. Gotcha. Um, now if we looked at the average, the average was close to around $770 a month, Ooh, which is still, that's, that's still high. a big number. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is. So that now you're at around 50%. That's super high. Um, so what's driving that? Obviously the interest rates are doing that. We had all that chip shortage that happened kind of 2020 into 2021. So we had two full years of that. That has largely recovered. But there is concern that a lot of the car manufacturers are not going to increase their production to the levels that they used to be. Um, my final thought is we are seeing good signs in other places. Again, the CPI numbers that just came out today, the inflation numbers today, showed that used cars are falling dramatically. Uh, they're 5% cheaper this month than they were last month, for good. example. So, But they, they came from such a high place. We've got a long ways to go before they kind of normalize. So... Uh, Tough, tough time to buy a car as well. Yeah. I know you don't like making big predictions, but if you had to make a quick prediction for our listeners, do yeah. we ever get back to that 
awesome feeling of Houston being this great affordable city with so many awesome restaurants and so many yeah. great people, right? But that affordability was always a big driving factor. Does that eventually come down? I, I'm optimistic. Uh, I, I think it's something our city takes a lot of pride in. Uh, and, and I think, well, I have a hope that the city, the city leadership sees this. Uh, we, we are seeing rents rise at a rate we've never seen our city experience it before. And we have a real strong culture of building. That's the, the, the NIMBY movement, as sometimes it's called, the Not In My Backyard movement, which is very much entrenched in California and, and, in, and in New York. That's why it's just so expensive there. That culture is not as strong here. And so I have a hope we'll be able to build enough houses to uh, uh, keep Houston affordable. I love it. Hey, and maybe the Beyonce concert coming up will be a big economic boom and a shot in the arm that could help a little bit. <laughs> saw oh, yeah, one, yeah, yeah, I yeah. saw your one on Taylor <laughs> Swift and that was awesome. So, hey, maybe uh, Queen <laughs> B could do it. Hey, we never know, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Chris, thank you so much. That was very insightful and I'm feeling more optimistic here. So thank you. Yeah, well, I, it's, it's always great to talk about the economy because these things affect us and we can make the wrong choice or we can make the right choice. And I think I think we can. I think we can do I think we can do the right thing. That was Chris Clark. You can follow all of his work with the links in our show notes. Before we go, animal lovers, mark your calendars because the Houston SPCA is hosting their popular Clear the Shelters event on August 26th. If you've been waiting to adopt, then you have to check out this event because you'll get a ton of added on bonuses like free spay or neuter surgery, up to date vaccinations, a microchip, free food, and you'll even get a post exam from any VCA animal hospitals. You can learn more at HoustonSPCA.org. And by the way, it's not just cats and dogs. Almost every animal is part of this awesome event. So August 26th, go clear the shelters. That will do it for today. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new. All right, you ready, Chris? I'm ready.